Hey everyone, welcome back. This is Amber bringing you The Well Podcast. If you are new to The Well or the podcast, we are here encouraging women in our community to share their stories. Because for whatever reason, as women, we have a tendency to feel like it's just us, that we are the only ones, and we forget that God uses imperfect and struggling people all the time. God chose the woman at the well, the one that went there in the middle of the day to hide from everyone. Jesus waited on her to arrive because he wanted this particular imperfect woman to spread the news about Jesus. So here we go this month with September's edition of The Well Podcast. So it's fall. Fall is a whirlwind of change. School is officially in full swing. In fact, today I was late to record for that very reason. However, I am now much more knowledgeable in all things related to the three original nations of the Native American tribes of South Carolina. I cannot say the same is true for my sons, but I would for sure nail tomorrow's test. True story. I cannot wait to share this month's guest with you. This guest has made you wait, even though you didn't know it. She was supposed to speak with us in March, and she fell and broke her hip, and because she is amazing, she still wanted to do it against medical advice. I'm not sure if it's that she's amazing or if that's just Kathy being her normal, fearless self. Kathy has an absolutely magnetic personality. In the span of 30 seconds, she will make you laugh hysterically and cry buckets. And then you will need her to hug you when it's all over. I love this lady. Let's meet Kathy. Well, I'm married to Dennis, who is the pastoral care and counseling pastor here and the minister of people over 50. <laughs> and um, <laughs> I don't know why that worked out that way, but it just did. Um, I'm adventuresome. I jumped out of an airplane right before I broke my hip and had a great landing. Did good. Um, yes, parachute. Yes. Um, Dennis and I. Dennis and I have been married 48 years this year. Yes. That's a miracle in itself. We have two beautiful daughters. My oldest one's here, Alicia, and my youngest one, Angela, had a business trip. We have seven grandchildren, of which my youngest, Casey's here tonight, and three, two and a half, really, great grandchildren. So um, we're young enough to enjoy them and, uh, and enjoy them. So tell me a little bit about what it was like as you were growing up. Oh, wow. I told my mother not to come tonight because I needed to be able to be free enough to say that, uh, what was going on. My dad was one of those men who did not know how to talk to women. I mean, I don't know if you've ever met a guy like that, but if he said anything, it was just not right. But he only did that to my mother and myself, which was what was so odd. Um, and I've grown up... Uh, Gosh, from the time mother said I was born, he didn't like the way my hair was uh, done. He would um, not like my legs, so we would go in the basement and do calf raises and calf raises and calf raises, trying to reshape them. Oh, gosh, he, anything that he could point out negative, he pointed it out to the point that I did not want to come out in front of him. I would run away because even today, he will still point out negative, but it doesn't bother me as bad now. I just say, oh. But he, um, it's just one of those things that he did. We um, went to church until I was probably about nine years old. We went to a Plymouth Brethren, which you said you had not I'd heard never of. heard of. I, 
you know. <laughs> very, very legalistic church, so I will tell you that, that has changed over the years. We actually have music now in that church. Um, so, I mean, I was envisioning like pilgrims. Well, it is kind of okay. like that. Okay. Yeah, so we, we didn't wear the garb. Hats, okay. Yeah, All right. <laughs> but, um, but we did have to wear something on top of our head. See? I, yeah, so. <laughs> But anyway, I grew, went and I accepted the Lord when I was six years old. My grandfather actually witnessed to me. I knew I was a sinner because, I mean, I had such a guilt complex that I would even, I didn't tell y'all this. I remember one time I said a bad word and I actually went and washed my own mouth out with soap. <laughs> so that was really bad. But um, anyway, I won't <laughs> ask you what word it was. <laughs> no, no, <laughs> okay. don't. Because George talked about fifthly talk. Oh, fifthly, okay, yeah. All right, so anyway, um, it was really, uh, we stopped going to church when I was around nine. My dad had a job with Westinghouse, and so really and truly, I understood I was a sinner, but to understand God's grace and what that meant, what it meant for me to be blessed by God and to understand the Christian life, I didn't. We didn't go back to church until after I was married, so... So now you're no longer at church, and what's happening um, as you're in middle school and high school? Middle school and high school were very tough because I was bullied. I mean, uh, horribly bad. Uh, boys especially were just cruel. I mean, just cruel. I had a bunch of them that did some horrible things to me in high school, and then in elementary, uh, middle school, I had one boy in particular who no matter where I was in the school, he found me. And he had the most cruel things to say to me to the point that I hated school. I would run, I should have been a marathon runner because I, <laughs> I ran every chance I got. I would hide from him. I'd have to call mother to come pick me up. I was just bullied horrible. So between my dad's mm -hmm. pointing out all my flaws and then these boys pointing out all my flaws. I was the most insecure person in the world. So you go through middle school, high school, you're insecure. And then at 16, like insert who? Dennis. <laughs> <laughs> I went to a teenage disco club, which did not, <laughs> I'll just tell you. They did not serve alcohol though, but they did have pot smokers outside. <laughs> but anyway, I, um, I was 16 and I met Dennis. He came in and he had this flowing long hair. And you can picture back in the 70s, right? Flowing long hair and I mean, his thighs in those blue jeans. He just, he really did. He just, he just blew me away. So I pulled my chair over in front of him and sat down mm -hmm. and I said, don't you want to dance? And he said, sure. Mm -hmm. And so I just thought he was wonderful. And so <laughs> the next day he, he came to my house. Uh, he couldn't drive because he'd had a speeding ticket. So his friend had to bring us. He was a bad boy and I like bad, bad boys. boys. Yeah. And so he was really bad. And so um, <laughs> he came over and I, it was the middle of winter and I had on a pair of short shorts and knee socks. Okay. I was I was at out, the disco. I was out to no at home. Oh, at, oh. I was out to get him at home. So <laughs> I took him outside to where his, this friend's car was, and I said, "Don't you want to show me your motor?" <laughs> I don't know anything about a car at all, but while I was looking at his motor, 
yeah. in his car, I promise you. It was, the car, it was yeah. just his car. It was just his yeah. car. No filthy talk, no. Kathy. No, no. Okay. I, I said, don't you want to ask me something? And he said, what? And I said, I think I like your ring. Why don't you ask me to go steady? So this was the day after I met him. And he said, he's out there in the hall somewhere. I said, sure, let's go steady. Six months later, I was one month away from being 17. We married. So I've been married since I was 16 years old. Um, uh, so that was that, in the 1970s. That was 1970, June of 1970. That was fast. That was very fast. So why do you think he got married so fast? I think he was going to be everything to me. He liked everything about me at that stage. You know how that goes. And so um, I thought that, that, that rude awakening came real quick. But um, I think I thought he would fill the void that I had in my life. And I wanted to get away from home. And so to me, the best thing to do, run. I ran into him and ran with him. And so I think I looked at him because I wasn't even thinking about God at this time. Mm -hmm. You know, and I just want to point out that with Dennis and all of my family, this is a story of God's redemption and yeah. grace. I mean, yeah. he gets all the glory for it. It's his story. But um, yeah, I thought Dennis was going to be the answer to everything. He was going to be your savior. Yes. Yeah. He was going to be my savior. So you're 16, 17 years old. How does this marriage start off? No. Well, <laughs> I'll just tell y'all, and please don't pass this around the church, okay? Um, <laughs> you know, this does go on a podcast. Yes, it does. Okay. Yeah, I know. Um, I thought it was on a webcam, and I was wondering how I could glue this up, you know, to make it look better. Um, anyway, uh, the, on our honeymoon, actually, was the first time that I was, um, you know, Naked. Exposed. Yeah, exposed in front of like him. Buck naked. Yes, and yeah. we were taking a shower. I remember taking a shower with him. And, and I was, I'm sorry to tell y'all this, but it, it plays into the story. I was standing there looking at him, and of course he was looking at me. But then he goes, do all women's hips go like that? Because I have a little dip right here. He said, I thought women's hips were rounded, you know, on the side. Well, you can imagine what that did to my heart because I already had a bad self-image. I already thought I wasn't worthwhile and I didn't realize the root of rejection that was building in my heart. And that thing just shot, Satan just shot an arrow right into my heart that day. And it was just, um, I mean, so much that is still so vivid today that I can remember the pain and the hurt. And I just felt exposed. I felt shameful and I just wanted to cover up. Yeah. And uh, yeah. so the marriage was, um, you know, we started off kind of rocky. Three months after we were married, he got drafted to go to Vietnam. And so that was tough. Um, I, uh, he sent me to live with his mother and dad. <laughs> and my, his, now you have to understand in Atlanta, you've got the good side of Atlanta and the bad side of Atlanta. His parents were from the other side of Atlanta and she farmed and so she told him, the last thing she said to him before he left, said, I'll make a woman out of her by the time you get home. Oh. And uh, boy, we had a good two years. We really did. Um, <laughs> I feel like that should be rule number one. That like, should don't be, make your don't wife make go your live, wife with, go your live with them. But yeah. see, I didn't want to go home either. Mm -hmm. And I think that played a part in that. Mm -hmm. um, but he got drafted, uh, went to uh, AIT, you know, basic, went to jungle training in Panama. You want me to keep going? Yeah. All right. The day that, 
I don't never know. I always want to stop. Um, the day that he left for Vietnam, he called me from California, and I told him that I was pregnant with our first child, Alicia. And um, so it was really, uh, I, there I was, 17, pregnant, living with his parents. Spouse had just hurt me. And so I went... Um, was fortunate enough to get to go on R&R, which is that rest and relaxation you're supposed to have you know, during your tour. And he got a week in Hawaii. So I was right about seven months, right at the verge of not being able to fly, went to um, Vietnam to meet him. And all the wives were there in their bikinis meeting their husbands, you know, and I'm in this big moo-moo because <laughs> you could actually at seven months put a plate on top of my stomach. I loved um, Dairy Queen uh, hot fudge sundaes. Mm -hmm. And so every night I ate one. Yeah. And, and, and that baby grew. Really good. <laughs> um, but while we were on R&R, which should have been a wonderful time, I found out that Dennis had done some things that... Um, uh, do we have any tissues at all? I know. I probably going to okay. need some too. Well, anyway, I'm sure we can get some. I found out some things that just um, uh, wounded my heart so bad that it turned to stone. That's the, most, the best picture I can give you of it. I was never going to let anything hurt me again. And so that day, Dennis flew back to Vietnam, and I'm flying home, seven months pregnant, 17 years old, with all of this pain and all of this hurt, which I stuffed, 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 deep inside. And it was just like this big root just growing and growing and growing. Oh, there it is. Yeah. So Dennis obviously comes home. Thank you. From, He's probably going to need it. Um, Dennis probably comes home from serving. Yes. And what was the marriage like when he returns after this, like, root of bitterness has grown. Um, it wasn't easy, and to make it worse, he went to work for my dad. <laughs> and so not only was I hurt, but I was also between two men that had hurt me. And so I had to, um, you know, go through that. I need to turn this page because I'm trying to stay on track. Um, <laughs> but um, no, I poured myself into exercise. Oh, I probably need them all. Thank you. <laughs> I poured myself into exercise. I poured myself into moving my family from house to house. I poured myself into anything that you could think of mm -hmm. um, to fill that hole. Mm -hmm. uh, we, meanwhile, we'd had Angie, who was our youngest daughter. She was born in 74. And um, we started feeling the need to go to church. So we went to this little Baptist church in Conyers, Georgia. And it was there that Dennis um, realized that his life, he really wasn't a Christian. And he walked the aisle that day. And once he gave his life to the Lord, life to the Lord I'm telling you, he was a different man from then on out. Um, I did not see anything wrong with me because I was at church, but I wasn't at church. Mm -hmm. I was playing church. I was playing the good mother. I was playing the good wife, the good daughter, and all the time in pain. So and just what's it like to be at church and not uh, to, to play church, to be at church, and yet not truly have a relationship with Jesus? Well, it's empty. I mean, completely empty. And we had moved um, to Sumter by this time. Uh, my dad's business moved there. And I actually was teaching Sunday school at a church. Mm 
And I was teaching Sunday school from a heart that was so cold that I didn't even know the grace of God at all. And, but yet I could mouth the words, but the heart wasn't there. And so, but it made me feel, it was something that I could feel good about, something that I thought that I did okay on. Um, and so it was, made you feel like a big fake, to be honest with you. I mean, you felt like you were just, um, <laughs> why do you need that I, I guess I'm not on. Oh, is she not I, on? Now I'm like um, Britney Spears. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Keep going. Oh, all right, but um, anyway, I, it was just a, um, a bad feeling. Uh, at times it felt good, but at times it felt bad because I knew that I wasn't really doing it for the right reasons at all. So you're not getting fulfilled at church because you're there for the wrong reasons. Right. Um, you're not fulfilled in your marriage. So did you find fulfillment um, through other people, other places? Yeah, I found it through things I thought I could achieve. But the worst thing was is that I lacked any kind of self-confidence and any kind of, um, um, I don't know what to put, say about that. Just no love in my heart whatsoever, uh, except for my daughters. Um, I really love them. But I wasn't a good mother either. Um, I know they'll say that it's different, but I felt at that time I wasn't. Um, I started having some men pay attention to me. And they, you know, for an, somebody who felt like an ugly duckling, that, that was, um, made you feel good. Do you understand what I'm trying to say? Uh, to get that attention from people. And so that further confused me because at this stage, I'm already rebelling. I'm already rebelling. So it feels good to get this attention from men. Yes. Um, so you're getting this attention from men. Do you feel like you start pretending uh, at your marriage? Um, what was happening at home during that time? Um, I was not being the wife or mother I should have been. I mean, just basically. Plus, I knew that I was looking at for attention out other places, trying to do things in other places. And so the marriage at home was Dennis went to work. I tried to stay away from dad and him and yet find my place somewhere, still not looking at God. So you're stuck. Yes. So what do you decide to do? Run. 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 Where did you go? I went to Myrtle Beach of all places. I told Dennis that I was leaving him and I left him with my daughters. I did for a year. I went there and I um, uh, lived a rebellious left lifestyle. I was promiscuous. I didn't get into drugs, or, but I did like Brandy Alexander's. And um, <laughs> that was the only alcoholic drink I liked because um, it had ice cream in it. But um, <laughs> I, was, um, I was very, very, very uh, promiscuous. And what happened one night, I mean, this took a year. I kept in touch with Dennis because I truly loved him. I kept in touch with the girls because I truly loved them. But I felt like they would all be better off without me. I was a failure at everything. I was a failure at everything in life. So one night I was a place I shouldn't have been. I got slipped something in my drink and I was raped. And um, that... 
All I can remember from that night is this horrible face. Uh, it was uh, like hallucination almost of this horrible face, this demon face and um, looking at me. And it was the worst feeling I'd ever had in my life. I felt the lowest that I could have gone in the world. Uh, there's a there's a verse in Psalms 40 that says that, you know, that when you cry out to God, he reached down and he plucks you out of this pit of destruction and he takes you out of the miry clay and he sets your feet up on the solid rock and puts a new song in your heart. And I needed that desperately bad. And so I've just realized that night that I was as low as I could go without truly having something bad happen. Worse than being raped. Right. So yeah. you've been gone a year. A year. And um, you finally called Ennis? Yes. They didn't have cell phones then. Right. Yeah. <laughs> Calling so, cards. So it was raining one night. I had fallen down the stairs because my middle name is Grace. Trust me. Um, and I was on crutches and I said, this is just ridiculous. The Lord had started talking in my heart. I could hear him. And he said, you have got to make a change. I went and I called Dennis on the phone and I said, Dennis, I am so sorry. I said, I'm so sorry. I said, I don't know if you can ever love me again, but I said, please come get me and bring me home. I just wanted to go home. And do you know that man drove all night to get me? He never asked me one question, not one question, to even to this day, and this has been 30 something years, not one question about what I did, where I'd been, nothing. He was the picture to me, a visual picture of God's grace in action. And I think for the first time I saw that little Kathy, who is broken, who's sinful, who is um, just laid out, you know, with this stone heart, somebody could truly love them. And he showed that to me. That's amazing. So you've come back home, but Dennis has been taking care of your two girls yes. and he's been going to church yep. and he's been keeping care of the home. So what's it like when you get back into your community <laughs> and you go back to church? <laughs> that, that was tough. I went back to the same church that I ran from. And when I went back there, I did go down front I asked um, the church to forgive me, and I told them that I had, you know, sinned, which they all knew anyway, um, but I told them to please forgive me, that um, I wanted to really strive to get my testimony back, because even though I know God forgives you, you live with consequences of your sin, and I had to live with that, and so um, for about a year and a half, I just kept my head down and just didn't do anything in the church, but just attend it and just let God just start washing over me. Can y'all imagine standing up here and having to tell all the things you'd done to your people and then held your head low in shame? Um, so you are walking in shame and um, you come back into life and now you're a mom um, and then you meet someone at a new church? Oh, yes. Mm -hmm. We went to a new church, and, in, and we moved to another house again, but enter Hazel Fickling, and I didn't know it, but they brought her here today, and I haven't seen her in such a long time. This lady was my mentor. 
She was a lady that loved me back in church. I really had gotten to the point where even though I wanted to go to church, it was, uh, um, it was just hard because everybody knew what you were and now everybody's gonna know again. But, um, <laughs> but it was actually a place where I had done it in, while I was teaching and, and you know, that's just shameful. So um, she just loved me. She, she just didn't judge me. She didn't judge anything, never ask any questions. She just loved me back in the church. And she was another picture of God's grace. Um, and I love that God used a woman to um, show you love um, because to extend unconditional love because it was hard to find that from a man for you. Yes. Um, and God used Hazel yes. to show you what unconditional love looked like. Yes. And no judgment and no, no condemnation. Judgment. No. Yeah. Um, when uh, did the love you got from Hazel and Dennis finally translate to you? When did it click? I think it took time because I had so many layers of stone in my, around my heart that God had to really chip at it, you know, chip it away um, uh, stone by stone, brick by brick. And... Um, I think for me, it was just the fact that it was a beautiful picture of the prodigal father and his son, you know, and, or not the prodigal father, he, he, the father and the prodigal son, yeah. But I was the prodigal wife, if you want to put it that way. And um, just such a picture to me of God just slowly through people like Hazel and other people, through God's word, through really realizing that my significance is not found in anybody else or anything else but God alone. He is my source of strength and he's the one that has chosen me and loved me from the foundation of the world. So I think it was just a bit by bit chipping. Yeah. I know we talked, you and I talked about how your story is a lot like um, Hosea yes. and Gomer. Yes. And um, I wanted to read um, part of Hosea 14 and I'm inserting um, Kathy into this. Okay. But it's Hosea 14, 1 through 7, and it's the message version. Mm -hmm. version. Um, going a little crazy here. Uh, <laughs> oh, Kathy, come back. Return to your God. You're down, but you're not out. Prepare your confession and come back to God. Pray to him. Take away my sin, accept my confession, receive as a restitution our repentant prayers. Assyria won't save us. Horses won't get us where we want to go. Mm. We'll never again say our God to something we've made up, made or made up. You're our last hope. Is it not true that in you the orphan finds mercy? I will heal your waywardness. Yes. I will love you lavishly. Yes. My anger is played out. I will make a fresh start with Kathy. She'll burst into bloom like mm. a crocus in the spring. She'll put down deep oak tree roots. She'll become a forest of oaks. She'll become splendid like a giant sequoia, her fragrance like a grove of cedars. Those who love, who live near her will be blessed by her, be blessed and prosper like golden grain. That's beautiful. And that's who you are. Thank you. <laughs> yeah. Well, I was telling them earlier, when you, when you harbor rejection and you harbor shame in your heart, Satan finds anything to hit you with. All right, um, I had the weirdest thing said to me, and I, you know, all throughout my life, one man told me I would be pretty if I didn't have hairs in my nose. Well, who doesn't have hairs in their <laughs> nose? 
I didn't even know this man. And then we were on a cruise. I mean, who says that to you, you know? I don't know. No, I don't either. And then, um, then I had another man on a cruise. Now, this was when I was being good, okay? I was already back with Dennis, and we were doing a cruise. He said, you would be really pretty if you had bigger boobs. I'm sorry, men. There's men oh, back there. They're looking at their phones. Okay, they're, they've plugged right. they've, they have. So they, they tuned you out a long yeah. time ago, yeah. So mm-hmm. because of that statement, what does Kathy do? She goes and buys boobs. Now, they're not there now, naturally, you would, you would be able to tell, but that's the depth of hurt in your heart and the stupid things that you can do mm-hmm. um, to try to make something real that you didn't have to do. Right. Yeah. Right. But boy, I did. And, and they were very nice. They really were. She said she had beautiful boobs. She did. <laughs> I did. That's what she told me. <laughs> Not lying. <laughs> All right, so you moved to Hawaii for, yes. for Dennis's job. Actually, um, on the mission field. On the mission field. Yes. Yeah, because now Dennis is in ministry. Right. So how do you feel about that? Um, I think that I was, well, at that point, Hazel actually helped us with that, too. Um, Dennis had been teetering toward going into ministry. We had gotten a job, or he had gotten a job as a youth pastor, by that time, and um, we just felt called to go to Hawaii because that's where that whole ice stuff started, and we'd seen the need for Christian churches there. I think now, looking back, though, Dennis was running to something. I was running from something. To me, that would be a fresh start. Nobody would know me. You know, I would be able to make a fresh start, be who I wanted to be, and I ran God brought me right into the same situation, not, not with the promiscuous, but with people that were just hard to get along with. So. Do you feel like you were always afraid of being found out? Yes. Mm-hmm. I, I even hid behind a bush one time at a church because I saw a lady that I knew knew my story. And um, I actually hid behind a bush. I crouched down behind it at church um, because I didn't want to be seen. And I have lived in, when you fall so publicly, it is so hard to not feel like you don't want your friends to find out what you were, you know, or what you've done. Especially our generation was brought up to not tell. But um, I don't want to live in fear anymore. I don't want to live in shame anymore because God has redeemed me. And he has brought me up, and he has forgiven me. And it's his story. I would not be the person I was today had I not gone through that. I would not know his love as deeply as I do today, and his grace if I had not have gone through that. And so this is his story. This is to bring glory to him, that he can take anybody and bring them out from the bush. And I would just say to everybody, find a hazel fickling. Don't, do not go around with a mask on. It's the worst place in the world to be. It really is. And it just makes the shame deeper. So, and we've talked about this. Until yeah. you tell your story, God cannot have the glory. Mm-hmm. And so uh, that's what we do here at The Wells. We tell our story mm-hmm. and encourage women to tell their stories yeah. to other women and stop hiding behind the bush. Yes. So um, you go to Hawaii, you come back. Obviously, you're here. Yeah, <laughs> obviously. Um, and in the next several years, you develop breast cancer. Yes, I did. I got breast cancer 
12 years ago. And um, I had, my mother got breast cancer early, so I had the implants taken out, and that was a very deflating um, situation, <laughs> to put it bluntly. But um, I'm, I'm so glad I did, though, because I did get breast cancer, had to go through chemo and radiation. Um, the tumor caused a neurological disease uh, that affects my muscles and uh, my fight and flight syndrome, believe it or not. And uh, it's... Um, can't run anymore. Can't run anymore, <laughs> no. But he, he stripped me of all of the defenses that I had. I told Dennis my body looks like World War III because, you know, you've got kids, you've had this surgery, you've had that surgery. I, now my, my hip, I've got you know, scars there, um, but they're scars that remind me, you know, remind me. Every scar has a story. And um, a reminder of God's grace. Reminder, yes, of yeah. God's grace. Yeah. So obviously your daughter, one of your daughters are here. Yes. And your granddaughter. Yes. Um, so they know your story. Um, when, she didn't know all of it. She now she know. does. <laughs> no, she does. She does now. <laughs> Your grandma had some beautiful boobs. <laughs> She's like, I want to crawl under the chair and die right now. Uh, so why, when and why are you deciding to talk about this right now? Well, I thought about that because you asked me that question the other Day and I think it's because everybody in this room has a story of redemption and rebellion. My rebellion happened after I was saved. A lot of people have rebellion before. A lot of people have it over and over and over again. Um, I live so much in fear of people finding out that I just couldn't do that anymore. And I know that our ladies need to know that there is something beyond I don't care how bad you've been bullied. I don't care how bad you've been criticized. I don't care if you've been raped. I don't care if you've been an adulteress. I don't care if you've been an alcoholic, a drug addict. God covered those sins. They were nailed to the cross with him. And that's nothing to be ashamed of. It's something to give him glory for, that he loves me that much that he did that in who I am. And so I really wanted to be set free and so that's why I want to tell my story and to help other women to know you need to tell. You don't need to hide. You need to tell somebody. Amen. Thank you. Um, so in the last 30 years of really knowing Jesus, how have your habits changed? Um, we just talked about it. You can't run anymore. No. So, what, I mean, besides getting on a stage and telling the whole world <laughs> your story, what does that look like? I think it's the fact that I run to God now. Um, I don't run to anything else but him. If something's bad happening, him and I are the first ones that talk. Um, because I found out that all the times that I ran, it wasn't my dad, it wasn't the boys at school, it wasn't um, uh, those men that said something, it wasn't finding fulfillment in this or that or that. It was the fact that I took me with me and I was the problem. So if I'm running and taking me with me, that's the whole problem. And so for me, it's just been a place of, instead of stuffing, I get it out. Um, Dennis and I had a nice little fight yesterday. And um, a nice one, a real nice one. And, um, and, for, and I wanted to be quiet and stuff 
because I find that easier to do. And I said, no, I'm not going to stop it. And so we just came together and talked. <laughs> we, call, we call it intense fellowship in our yeah, house. Yeah, intense we fellowship. Intense fellowship. We had some intense yeah, fellowship about stuff. A but, little um, intense moments. Yeah. So what do you still wrestle with and how do you deal with it? I still wrestle with, um, uh, you know, when you sin, like I said, God forgives you, but you carry that in your heart the rest of your life. I'm not going to forget it, even though other people may. I know God has, but I live with that. I still wrestle with the fact of um, wanting my grandchildren, my great-grandchildren and my daughters to really just be all they can be for God. Um, I wrestle with the fact of still feeling insecure at times. I, I fight like the Dickens to not ever be fake. I want to be transparent. I want to be real. And so I, I sometimes have to really wrestle that in my heart. And I really have to wrestle with the point of just loving God. You know, just making sure that that relationship is top over anything else. And you take care of who now? Who do you take care of? You didn't ask me that question. Yeah, no, who do you take care of? Who do you take care of? Yes, you do, yes, yeah. Who do you take care of? Like, you take care of your daddy. Yes, I do take care of my dad. We talked about that. Yes. Um, Kathy always refers to him as daddy. <laughs> and I'm amazed that she refers to him as daddy because to me that's such an endearing comment. Yes. And he has caused so much pain in her life. And... Um, I just want to say that I see you taking care of your dad. She took him to a movie the other day. She sent me a picture of him. He was asleep in the credits before the movie even started. So that's like really, that's, that's love. Yeah, that, um, a $9 nap. That's right, a $9 nap. That's what I said. He just paid to nap. Yeah. Um, but she takes care of her dad, and she refers to him as daddy. And I see how... Dennis experienced grace, and he poured it on you, and you experienced grace, and you're able to, to love and take care of your daddy yes. in not a root of bitterness, no. but in graciousness and kindness, and it is refreshing to my soul to watch you. Um, and so uh, it, is, it is because of God's grace that you're able to do that. I'm in amazement to watch you do that. Um, so, um, I just want to, um, end with, uh, so we found Hazel, yes, um, did. on Facebook, <laughs> y'all, I don't even do Facebook and Hazel, we found Hazel Fickling on Facebook and she lives in Sumter and she's 87 and she's been married for 71 years. Yes. And she, she is here tonight. She drove, her daughter drove her here. And Kathy doesn't know, know this, but we had Hazel write Kathy a letter. Oh, no. <laughs> and I'm going to read it. Thank you. Um, <laughs> to, to Kathy. Um, this is a woman who poured grace over a woman who desperately needed it. I feel honored to be invited to share such an important occasion with Kathy and her friends. Kathy was across the street neighbor of mine when she was a young, beautiful mother of two small girls. She was and is an excellent mother who loves her family very much. We shared many hours talking about life and the many problems we face in raising our children. 
She was searching for a deeper meaning to her life, and through the years, God has given that to her. Kathy is so easy to love because she so freely gives of herself despite facing some very serious health problems. She was quick to open her home to young wives and mothers for Bible studies and fellowship. God has truly blessed her, and she truly represents the Proverbs 31 woman of today. Thank you. Grace. That's beautiful. Thank you. Oh, my friend, Kathy, how I wish I could have known you as a child and as a teenager and just hugged you and told you not to be so afraid. Those harsh criticisms were like daggers and they pierced your heart and made you feel so exposed. I know that every woman that hears Kathy's story feels the pain of having people you trust cut at your security. Poor Kathy had more than her share of it. And the heartbreaking part is that she didn't understand the love of Jesus yet, and she didn't know how to cope with it. She didn't know how valuable she is and how beloved she is as a child of God. All this pain was just collected and stuffed down and covered up. But the problem with that is that there isn't enough space to stuff it all down. It's not in God's design for us. God designed us to talk to Him and be in a relationship with Him and receive contentment and completeness from being His. Our best solution when there is no place left to stuff the pain is to run away. God's solution is to hold your pain for you. Cast your cares upon the Lord and He will sustain you. Dear Lord, thank you so much for people like Hazel Fickling. It is really hard to dig ourselves out of the holes that we get ourselves into. Sometimes we truly need a hand, and sometimes those hands of earthly grace help us understand God's grace. If you need a hand, there is a hazel fickling around you. Ask, or ask someone to help you find your hazel. Or maybe it's you that needs to be hazel for someone else. Thank you so, so much for listening to this month's The Well podcast. Please share this with your friends and rate it on iTunes or wherever you're listening. If you have any questions or want to tell us something, email us at shandonwomen at gmail.com. Come and see us at Shandon Baptist Church for our next Well event. Our schedule is linked on the episode.